Martin, hey, uh, I'm so glad to be here, obviously. Uh, we came up here to film The Leadership Locker, a podcast, and I came up here with the intent to talk to you about your keynote that blew me away at Craig Valentine's Perfect Life Retreat on culture. We sat up in your kitchen and we talked for a little while. Now we're going to just change everything. We're going to change everything. Scrap that. And uh, we're going to get into a couple things. Um, and we're going to get into what I believe is a really interesting take on entrepreneurship. So we'll do that. Then we're going to talk about your book, which I can't wait to talk about. But first and foremost, for my audience, who are you? And this could probably take 30 minutes with everything you've done, but tell us a little bit about yourself so we know what's going on. All right. Uh, hey, well, again, my name is Martin Rooney. I'll give the fast version. Originally from New Jersey. That's where I grew up. Uh, got interested in sports, became a track and field athlete in college, and then by some crazy stroke of luck, while I was at the medical university trying to become a physical therapist, which we'll talk about, yeah. you know, I think, uh, I made the U.S. bobsled team. I made the U.S. bobsled team. I was repping the U.S., which was a, a humbling experience for me. But my driver, who went on to win the silver medal at the Olympics, he was also a fighter. So he was a professional fighter getting money so we could afford to stay alive and have a sled. And when my dream was over, I came home, and I was really interested in the fighting stuff too. So uh, a friend of mine says, hey, man, Henzo Gracie, one of those Gracie guys, has just moved from Brazil. He's got one of the first studios in Manhattan. You got to check it out. And I started going and I trained and I befriended those guys and they saw I had things they needed for the future of the sport. They had things I needed because I wanted an escape from the career that I had. And I started traveling around the world with those guys and uh, really interesting. But I also at the same time was helping build a sports performance uh, national franchise called the Parisi Speed School, which allowed me the opportunity to train NFLs people and you know from youth athletes too and I was in my space exactly where I wanted to be but I learned a lot about business too mm -hmm. and then fast forward through the fighting and the combination of that I spun off something called training for warriors and because I saw there was a bigger issue than just sports performance there were so many people that needed help worldwide in in terms of uh, losing fat building muscle feeling better about themselves and I saw that I had a bigger mission to serve and now currently, that's, we have hundreds of facilities in uh, almost 20 countries around the world. Mm -hmm. We're impacting thousands of people a day. But all of that, what I realized now, the tip of the spear of all of it is, none of it happens if you can't coach. So it doesn't matter what I know about fitness if I can't get somebody to do it. It doesn't matter what I know about sports performance or, or winning if I can't get somebody to do the stuff that I know. And that's where I really honed in on, well, how I do those things is because I coach. But then I started to realize, well, where's the education for a coach? Or where is the, where's the background? You know, you, you'll meet people in the military. They never have one day on coaching, right? Hey, you meet people in sport. They never had one day in coaching. They just had coaches. You, you see people come out of university, nothing on coaching. And that's why the last number of years I've spent all my energy dissecting what makes a great coach, what type of coach do we need? And that led to the newest book mm -hmm. that is the distillation of all the stuff that I've learned to help anybody coach somebody for better performance. And I couldn't be more excited. So that is the, that's the, so I just gave a, tw that was, and that was 25 years we just talked about too. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, that. yeah. Awesome. So let's talk about uh, the very first subject, which is we were talking upstairs and I was telling you again who my audience is, which is transitioning service members and veteran entrepreneurs. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're like, be careful with the word <laughs> entrepreneurs. Uh, and I was like, where's he going with this? Uh, and after we had a good lengthy discussion about it, uh, I think 
it's extremely important to talk about this. So let, tell me your take on entrepreneurs versus, uh, I think, as you put it, executors or tacticians. Yeah. Uh, let me know your take. Well, hey, first off, and for everybody listening too, I think it's important that they understand also other parts of my background I didn't talk about, where I've had the opportunity to work with the Army Rangers, U.S. Army Airborne, Navy SEALs. My dad was Army, so, uh, and my uncle was a commandant of the Air Force Academy, which I didn't, which we didn't even talk about. Yeah, so, uh, so uh, and a three-star uh, brigadier general. So, so, they, I. I want everybody to be aware that, hey, I have a, a deep understanding and respect for sure. the military. And, and that's why it's been a big mission of mine where nothing was more humbling than to be able to use my system to in some capacity help our military, which I always come back from those excursions and explain, hey, that's why we sleep really well at night. So I think a lot of people say it or they give it lip service, but I've spent a lot of time in the trenches helping with that too, so I believe it. I got it. And that being said, I feel like I've got my finger on the pulse of a lot of these guys when they are coming back and the skill sets of what they've been taught when they were away. Mm -hmm. And that leads to why when you said, hey, we're gonna talk about entrepreneurs and these guys are gonna come back and be entrepreneurs. And the other background I have is, hey, I've helped hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people own their own businesses. Mm -hmm. And now I speak globally at, you ready for this, entrepreneurial conventions, you know, just like the one that you saw me at. And the interesting thing that I've really come to the conclusion is most of those people are not entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad thing. You know, so because we talked about it, and you saw me, I did it. I said, how many people here are entrepreneurs? And what happened? <laughs> every hand, every hand, and every hand went up with pride. I'm an entrepreneur because I started an LLC and I have a I made a logo. And none of that makes you an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is a mindset, and I'm trying to some you know still continue to understand and is it a a genetic thing that you that people are born with or can you become an entrepreneur and i lean a lot more towards could you learn it yeah but i think there's something inside of people that makes them different like we talked about a richard branson and elon musk these people uh, uh, tony zay from zappos these guys when you read their books and you study them they are lifetime entrepreneurs figuring out the, these are the guys that are like buying sandwiches and then sell them at a double when they're in first grade. You know, like there's just a difference. They love business, the rush of business. They will take any risk. And, uh, and it doesn't matter what the business is because they're building it to sell it to have the next business. Mm -hmm. That's an entrepreneur. Are you an entrepreneur? <laughs> and we talked about this. I would say no. You know, some people say, wow, look at, your, look at all the things that you've done. And I would say, no, I do not consider myself an entrepreneur. Even more important word. This is what I'm playing with a lot. And I think it's important that every guy, that comes back. Uh, it's what you identify with. The, you know, I do not identify with the word entrepreneur. I do not wake up, say, I'm an entrepreneur. And, and because of that, then I don't take the actions and the risks and run my life because of that identity. Mm -hmm. I identify as a coach. And really, I guess, if, if anybody's ever read The E-Myth, and I think it's a really important book, it should be a baseline book for all of your audience. Mm -hmm. It's a very famous book. And, and the E-Myth stands for, it's called The Entrepreneurial Myth, yeah. where everybody believes, thinks they're an entrepreneur, but why businesses fail is because they're not entrepreneurs. And here's the thing, it's okay not to be an entrepreneur. That's the piece I wanted to get across. I think everybody says, I wanna be an entrepreneur because now I'm like Elon Musk or I'm like Richard Branson, now I'm, and, and it's like, no, it's okay. You gotta decide who you are mm -hmm. and what you want and then figure out how to do it. So I did those things and somebody from the outside might say, wow, all these facilities, all these different business silos, 
you're an entrepreneur, but I would say, no, I'm a, I'm a really great technician, but I identify as a coach and I spend my time coaching people very tactically at what I do. And, uh, so I, again, I think that's a very important thing that no one is talking about. Well, but they are because the, the book, the e-myth, uh, by Gerber, uh, is legendary, but I guess maybe it's, it's worth the discussion again. So this isn't a new idea of mine. That's a very old idea. And he actually wrote four, but you know, it, and then there's e-myth mastery. There's, it just keeps going. But ultimately I think I want everybody listening to this, that whether you say you got to give yourself permission or, Hey, I'm giving you permission right now. It's okay not to call yourself an entrepreneur. You can still be a business owner. So one key thing that you feel distinguishes an entrepreneur from a technician is an entrepreneur is very much in love with, with the money aspect of it. Uh, there's low hanging fruit, there's opportunities. Maybe it's not exactly what they're passionate about and that's maybe the difference, right? Like someone like you mentioned, Elon Musk or Richard Branson or even Gary Vee, right? Gaming and all this other stuff. Um, you know, he's into all these things and there's great, great opportunities. Some of them they might be passionate about, some of them. Well, well but to even take it a step, this would be interesting because it's not to say they're not passionate. They're passionate about the, the rush. Yes. They're, they're passionate yeah. about business, the yeah. game. See, that's a serial entrepreneur, you know, that the, the guy that's, you know, like a Gary Vee, like what's he famous for? First, it was his family's wine business, which maybe people forget, but then, but then it's like, and I'm the first guy to get money in Uber or Twitter or this or that or that. Like, that's the game. So they, they do have, that'd be a great way to look at it. The passion's at a different level. Their passion is business. Therefore, they look for opportunity, regardless of the opportunity they're in because they're an entrepreneur. If that's not your passion, it's yeah. okay. And that is not mine. Like, yeah. but, and early, but earlier you said, you said, it's not about the money for me. What is it then for you? And why does that make you more of a technician than an entrepreneur? So, and hey, one thing that everybody has to listen to too, it's easy to say, hey, it's not about the money, but hey, yeah. I, have, yeah, I have four daughters, you know, and so me personally, I wouldn't say, hey, I gotta, I don't, you know, you see it, like I'm not driving a nice car and I don't have, you know, th these are the clothes that I'm in all the time. But uh, hey, to provide for your family and I believe it's everybody's God-given right to make money and they should make money. Sure. So don't go, that's another piece with the identity. I think a lot of people make mistakes in particular in the fitness industry or coaching and they'll say, well, I'm a coach so I, I shouldn't make any money. I'm just there to help people and, I'm, and I should just suffer. And if that's what you identify with, then that's what your life will become. So what I say is it's not the money that drives me but I do expect to make money because I'm great and passionate about what I do. So I want, hey, but these are, these are big keys to unlock for everybody listening mm -hmm. so that they don't go down the wrong road. Look what we've already identified. Hey, don't call yourself something you're not. Mm -hmm. And then uh, don't say you never need to make money because you're an ex-service guy and ex-service guys don't make money. Like that, man, because if those are your two truths, mm -hmm. it's going to lead you down the wrong road and you'll yeah. get exactly what you're thinking about. So mm -hmm. that being said, what I would say though is, Here's a better line, you ready? If you're doing what you're passionate about and the world recognizes that and it's your authentic thing and it's what you're supposed to be doing, the money will come, right? And so when I get up, hey, hey, when I went in that presentation that you saw, I got paid really good money, right? And, uh, but that was because of the two decades of passion and the work that I've done that allowed me to give that speech that then gets me that money. And, uh, and that's a big challenge for everybody, again, for anybody listening to this. So maybe instead of saying, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, the first question has to be, what are you passionate about? What do you, what do you enjoy? Where would you spend your time even if you weren't getting paid money? Yep. And, uh, and hopefully the answer is not video games or watching Netflix because 
I will say this, I think everybody has a higher mission, you know, and hey, who better to identify with the mission than, than milita ex-military uh, servicemen where all that training and everything that we always did, hey, you, you, like as an aviator, all the training you did, it has no value if there's no mission. You know, but the minute there's a mission, you become you become incredibly valuable because you have skills that no one else has. Yes. It's the same thing in the real world. Yes. So you got to develop skills in the thing that you're good at, and then, man, when there's a mission and somebody needs it, you become valuable. And that would be the challenge for everybody listening: is what's that thing? Because it could be anything. But don't just jump to I need to be a business owner and I need to call myself an entrepreneur and I need to now like try to raise capital and all these things, and then end up two years later you realize, wow, this was never what I wanted. And it's because I never asked the big question. I, I completely agree. And one of my friends who has a podcast as a side hustle, so to speak, uh, he posted on LinkedIn, uh, I got let go today, they closed my position. And he's like, but I'm a former Marine, um, you know, I am gonna have to shift my mindset, I'm gonna look at this as an opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. Anyone else who's been in the same kind of boat, uh, please let me know your thoughts. So he tagged me and I wrote, this is a golden opportunity. You. Here's what you can do. If you just lost a substantial amount of income, then obviously you need to downsize and minimize to just the bare necessities. And I understand you have a family, but you know, just, just get to the minimum piece. And now you can explore your curiosities and exactly what you said. And I think it's so cliche and it gets used a lot, but that advice is never gonna change because it's freaking real. And, if, and most <laughs> people don't do it. If you, know? you, he has opportunity right now to just be like, I'm gonna taste this flavor of whatever and be like, you know what, I don't like that. But let's, I wanna take it a step further. Maybe he finds something and realizes he doesn't need to be a business owner, an entrepreneur, but I could be at a good number two or number three at this startup because I am an operations guy or I'm in love with finance. So can you talk about the opportunity to inject yourself, maybe not as an entrepreneur, but to help a business owner who is an entrepreneur yeah. and, and, and well, get in that space? Well, and, and it's not, hey, not only can I talk about it, it's what I did. So. In, in a number of levels. So when I was a physical therapist, I didn't get it. So here would be the difference. Yeah, I was a physical therapist and I was, I was good at it. And man, I knew the science and I knew, I knew the, the concepts of rehab and I could follow protocol. But here's the thing, I didn't own the businesses, mm -hmm. but I came in and I was able to contribute to the business and do my job, what I did, and then I got to leave and not have to have the hassles of what right. came along with that business. Yes. And then when we built the Parisi Speed School, hey, uh, and I'll always say this, Bill Parisi, he was the entrepreneur. I was the technician, but us in combination is what made us great. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? So, yes. so if you are a great technician, there is this serial entrepreneur that needs you. Yes. And you know what? And you're gonna become incredibly valuable and as you show off more skills, they'll know it and you move. Yes. So, so hey, another example would be Steve Jobs and, and Elon Musk, if we say, and, and Bill Gates. When we talk about all these guys, they're unicorns, man. Mm -hmm. So true entrepreneurs, that's why we write about them so much, they're unicorns. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, every one of those entrepreneurs it never, the Apple never happens without a ton of great people that were doing what they were passionate about. And you know what? And they made tons of money. Yeah. Like, you know, though Microsoft and Apple and probably now Google and these other things have made more, you know, millionaires and probably billionaires than any other companies. But most of them weren't entrepreneurs. <laughs> and so, hey, I, we're having a breakthrough here. We're uncovering something here that, and that's okay, but you got to, figure out what you're great at and what you want to be great at and go do it. So to be honest, it took 20 years until I moved out and now I was the guy at the top creating jobs for everybody else. Yeah. And 
And I had to learn all those lessons along the way to do it. And sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes I say, man, I wish, I wish uh, I, was, I was just the guy that could go home afterwards too. So, so again, we're giving everybody permission that it's go be great and the world will find you, but it should be at something you're passionate about and you love. So that would have been the best advice again to your friend. And here's, here's one that I say a lot too, and this will help maybe everybody is, what's the worst thing that can happen if you go and explore? You know, what's the worst thing that can happen if you find out the thing that you really went for, it doesn't work out. Yes. You know what the worst thing that happens? You go back doing the thing you didn't like, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, but the really true worst thing that can happen is you never even take a shot. So one big piece of advice that I give in many of my seminars, that you weren't, it wasn't that day, I don't think, but watch this one, and this will be powerful for everybody coming back, ready? Mm -hmm. Don't go get good at something you hate. Oh, yeah. Don't go get good at something you don't love. You're right. Don't go get good. That, that was what I had essentially done. So as a physical therapist, I liked it and I liked the people I worked with and, you know, and that was cool, but I didn't love it, man. I wasn't, I wasn't watching videos every day on how to get better. I wasn't going to ceaseless courses on how to do it. You know where I was going? I was going to speed courses and courses on sports and like, so it would, the signs were all there that I was, my side hustle has a, whatever your, yeah, so here would be a great one. Whatever your side hustle is, that's probably the thing you really love doing. And yet we spend so little time on it. We're so afraid that it can't be something that then it never really goes. And people spend 30, 40 years doing something they didn't like. I agree. And getting good at something you don't like is a visceral experience when you come to the realization, like, what the hell have I been yeah, doing? Yeah, that's the Monday blues. That's when you wake up with <laughs> exactly. a knot the in your gut. Sundays you don't want to go to work. Says. Yeah. So let's, uh, let me, let's wrap up this topic with something uh, we also talked about, which was, in my opinion, can be a, a kind of trap uh, for servicemen and women, which is, I was a Marine for X amount of years. I was in the Army for X amount of years. Like, I have discipline. I have character. I have standards. I have ethics. I have... This amazing package and leadership, of course. Oh, we, we got to say leadership. Yeah. So here I am and I see, uh, let's see, a, a t-shirt business. And I can definitely do that as an entrepreneur because I can will myself to understand everything because I don't effing fail and I am, you know, you know I've, I've done it. I've, I, I can power through anything. True or false? Here's what I would say. It's a double-ended answer, right? Like, so true, you can power through stuff for a while. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and this word that I see a lot that I think will eventually, it started off as like this hardcore word that was so cool that's gone away, uh, was grind, right? Like, wake, rise and grind, gotta wake up and grind. I'm grinding, baby, I'm grinding harder than anybody. And what I say is if you're grinding, you, that means you do something you hate, which is creating a lot of friction, which will eventually wear you down, right? <laughs> but. Uh, but so could you try something like that that you're not passionate about? And like you said, will yourself and suffer and by the way, probably burn all your capital and then go out of business? Yeah. And, but that isn't a smart thing to do. And in particular, if you definitely don't love it as we've already identified, then if you're not passionate about it, like, hey, if you're the most passionate person about t-shirts on the planet, like my cousin has a guy that started off with, uh, he made flag the flags for flag football. And, and then that, and then he made t-shirts and they made something else and something else and something else. And he had eventually had the biggest collegiate, uh, brand. So you go to any college store, you know, all of his stuff is in there. And then he eventually sold and he's like, he's mega, you know, like he's a mega guy now, but here's the thing, entrepreneur and super passionate about that. 
And uh, so he never grinded ever and like, and became one of the most successful guys there is. So if you've bought a shirt at a college store, the odds are you bought his brands, which is crazy, right? But the lesson in there again was the guy was an entrepreneur and he was passionate about what he did. So what I would say is now- Share the analogy, by the way, the one you mentioned about the person yeah, well, here, swimming. But here, yeah, well, here would be the example. No, yeah, so going back to the other piece though, like what you said before is, hey, I'm a Marine. Well, hey, that makes you a great Marine, <laughs> right? And well, but I, I'm hardcore. Yeah, yeah, hey, I meet a lot of business people. They'll outwork you. Like, doesn't mean that you're a Marine. Like, like there's killers everywhere, man, like that can work hard. Like, I, I, I'll say this, I'm not a Marine. I can't identify with that or call myself that, but- I will say that I've been, uh, you know, I lived at the Olympic Training Center. I've been a black belt, uh, you know, I, you know, and am a black belt. And hey, I have disciplined and crushed myself physically, and disciplined myself. I would hope to believe very hard too, right? So this is also people we're competing against, and the skills that you develop, that you learned. Again, it makes you a marine, not a business owner, right. or not a leader of people that aren't marines, and or. Every bit of that tactical skill that you develop there, you have to understand you'll have to learn the same thing in whatever business it is. So, so hey, am I discounting it? Never. Yeah. But like we talked about, if you don't know how to swim and I throw you in the middle of the ocean because you're hardcore and because you're tough and hey, hoorah, <laughs> like you will, you will not survive. And so the thing is, you got to make sure you're swimming where you're supposed to be swimming if that makes sense. So, and again, that's not to, hey, I would no. never, I never want it to be negative or whatever else, but it's calling it so, and why I'm saying these things is because the worst thing that could happen is a guy says, I'm going for this and I can do these things because I've met a bunch of my ex-military friends that they have, they've lost it all, man. So I say that hard stuff right now because I'm coaching people up because they lost it all. They, they opened the business that they shouldn't have opened and they grind for a few years and then they lose their, hey, you ready? They lose all their money. They lost their family because that destroys that there too. So, uh, and I know there's people listening. They know what I'm talking about. So I didn't say that to say, oh, like I don't respect Marines or they're not hardcore. What I'm saying is that doesn't mean that you've been given the skills to now go either run a business and, 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 and in particular in an industry you don't know anything about. So, so is ethic and discipline important? Absolutely. But here's what I would call it. And maybe this will help explain it too. That's compulsory, baby. Mm -hmm. Like, here's the thing. For me to run my business, I got to have ethic. I got to have discipline. I got to have core values and morals and stand for a bigger mission. So that's like, like everybody has to have that. So that's not a separate playing field now. Mm -hmm. Now what it is is, well, what's your passion and what are the skills that you've so developed that make you more valuable than anybody else to use it? And and again, it's sharing that because, again, the worst thing that could happen is guys come back and then... They try to be something they're not, and they lose it all. And, and, and not only that, because then that's not a good story. And that story probably happens more often than not. That's why we're doing this, this in the exactly first place. That's why we're doing this. Yeah. So. We'll transition now to, and we talked about, you know, some of the servicemen and women who could be good coaches. Um, but, like, and I want to get into that, but coaches, how do coaches get guided by other coaches like you decided, you know what? I've been doing this for however long. I have all this experience. I go and I talk about it. I've lived it. I'm a practitioner. I need to do something else. And that led you to be like, I'm putting pen to paper. And you've written before, but this is a little bit different. Uh, talk to me about the book and why it even exists. Well, as we mentioned in my story already, 
I'm always searching for the bigger mission. And, and I think for anybody listening to this too, that is the purpose, right? Like the, the if you can serve more people, because hey, everybody, that's, hey, maybe one of the most valuable things for, the, for our military coming out is they understand the concept of service, yes. right? And so here's, but here's a different con, and, and it's, it's not a different concept, but maybe a different way to look at it. You're not, say, just serving the military, but when you were serving in the military, you were actually serving our 400 million Americans, right? Well, here's the thing. The more people you can serve with your passion and the job that you do, the more valuable you become, and ultimately, the more impact you make, and then there's a legacy at the end. So, so where I'm at now, at almost 49, is not where I'm at when I was 29. When I was 29, it was a whole lot more about me, and now at 49, it's a whole lot more about we, you know, meaning, well, what, what am I doing? Or how's this world going to be a little bit better of a place than it was before I got here? Or, and even more importantly, what I think at the end of the day, when I teach my courses, I'll ask people, I'll say, uh, you know, what do you want to be remembered for? And wow, that's when it hits people because ultimately I think people realize that is the end of the game. Like the end of this whole game is you better have done something to have been remembered for. That's why we want to wear medals on our chest and we want to do acts of valor when it comes time in the military. But hey, but what are those medals and acts of valor when you get out? And that is really this new book. And it was the genesis of it where I started to identify, well, there was a lot of people in fitness and there were a lot of people in sport, but and I've done a lot of cool things. I've worked in the NFL. I've trained UFC champs. But you know what? I wasn't impacting that many people. Yes. And at the end of the day, these were really successful people already that felt good about themselves. And many of them had a lot of money. So, <laughs> so my impact, you know, when you get hundreds of guys drafted to the NFL, in the giant scheme of things, I don't know, it wasn't that big. And, and then after having done that for a decade and a half, you start saying two words that are really important, which every service member, another one we're going to hit. Mm-hmm. Here's the two biggest words. You know what the two biggest words are? What's next? <laughs> right? Like, think about it. Like, deep down, that's what it is. Like, hey, I'm getting out, of, I'm transitioning out of the military. What's next? And this is what we're talking about today that we're trying to, you used a great word, potholes or, uh, hey, landmines, mm-hmm. right? Hey, guys, <laughs> yeah. guys, I'm bringing, oh. I'm bringing up a lot of landmines here that I want to make sure you, I'm giving you the map to avoid them. And that's why I'm doing it. And one of those is going to be a giant landmine is to spend your whole life and you didn't do anything. And at the end of it, nothing great happened, you know? So I realized everybody is a coach. Like everyone is a coach to someone else. Now having four children, I'm their coach. Hey, my wife, she's my coach. My friends, we coach each other. When I worked within companies, we were all coaches up and down every direction. And hey, everybody that's in the military, they get it. Like you have coached up your friends. You've been coached too. You've coached up, down, you know, usually probably a little less up than down. You know, that's how the military works. But in the real world, hey, you coach in every direction. And that's when I really identified number one, that word identity that we talked about. Just like I don't wake up and co- identify with the concept of entrepreneur, then I'm not an entrepreneur. Well, I don't think, I think everybody understands the concept because you nodded your heads. I, say, I said, everybody's a coach. Everybody goes like this. But I say, but do you identify with that? Do you call yourself a coach? And most people don't. They say they're a mom or they say they're a business owner or they say they're a teacher or they say, uh, you know, the only people that say I'm a coach is maybe you're on the sports field saying you're a coach. Right. And I have this bigger mission that if I could get everybody to identify that they understood they were a coach, then I believe the whole world is going to change because I believe the world needs better coaches. Every time there's another dilemma, disaster, which, uh, and I, and hey, I will say this, 
and I say it with pride. Guys, I'm a patriot. And why have I even become more of a patriot? It's because I spend a lot of time outside of the United States. Yes. Uh, I've done 35 countries in the last five years alone. And uh, you know what I'm getting tired of? I'm getting tired of having to defend our nation in conversation about, oh, m more people got shot or more this happened here or this thing happened that or this happened that. And what I will say is a lot of the stuff that people bring up in our country all go away if we all had better coaches. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, and it's true. If we all just, because if we all identified that we were coaches try, being hell-bent to help somebody else get somewhere, uh, we would be better off. And so it is my mission to not only get everybody to identify with that concept, but then show them how to do it. And this book is the Trojan horse for that. It's, it's a parable, like you said, a departure. It's a story. When, when you read it, you won't be the same after you've read it, but you're gonna understand, holy cow, I'm a coach. This is my job. Here's ways to do the job. And uh, man, I see now I haven't been doing the job and I haven't been doing the job in my own home. Mm -hmm. I haven't been doing the job in my business. I haven't been doing the job in my community. And man, if you became that great coach, your life is gonna change and you're gonna make a bigger impact on somebody else. Can you give me an example of a non-fitness industry coach? So, so, you know, whether it's on the family side or whether it's on the business ownership side, uh, tell me ways that I could identify or the audience can identify, like you are actually coaching on a daily basis and you're just not thinking about it the right way. And if you help them ingrain some of the maybe standards that you're looking at or some of the concepts, then maybe it could be a little bit more overt. Yeah. You know, the effort. Well, here would be a simple one to use the coaching analogy for business and what I've seen because I consult for a lot of businesses. And uh, if you thought of your business and that you were a head coach and your team is your team, I guarantee the whole world would run their businesses differently. Let me give an example because it's the Super Bowl. So, so regardless of when people are listening to this, the Super Bowl is in a few days. Um, and I've had a lot of experience in the NFL. So here's what I would say. So... Is the NFL coach gonna put the worst guys on the field? No way, like he cannot allow that. He's gotta put the best team on the field at all times. Um, okay, and now say, uh, hey, because you're on that team, so the guys that are on the team this year, are they guaranteed a spot next year? How about the year after that? 10 years from now, because they played on that Super Bowl team. No way, but in business, we put a lot of the wrong people on the field all the time and we know it. We never consistently draft and bring in new people and let them know that they got to earn their spot every day. It's like somebody, the word tenure, it's like, well, they've been here a long time, we're going to do it. Yeah. And then watch this. The 49ers and the Chiefs, do they just play games? What do they have to do more than anything else? Win. No, practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got to practice. Yep. They got to practice. They got to scrimmage. And you know what? Most businesses don't do either of those. There's no training, there's no teaching, and no one's any better the next day or the next day or the next day. But in sport, you, you demand it. You see what I mean? Like, you see, you having that breakthrough there? Like, in sport, in sport, you demanded it. It would be like, man, dude, you do all your drills right now. You've got to run the, like Jerry Rice, using as an example from the 49ers. The guy ran routes nonstop more than anybody else. That's why he became the best. And the thing is, in business, Nobody's running the routes every day. Mm. Nobody's practicing to get better. And the head coach doesn't demand it. And then they wonder why we got apathetic uh, people on our team and our business isn't doing well and everybody's not that skilled. And you know what? And we're used to it because you can go to any business in the world and it's usually mediocre service 
and people don't do things well. But the ones that do do it well and really train and really rock and roll, those businesses rage. So you wanted an example, there would be a, you know, so, and that's, and then, hey, yeah, no, you know, that's what's good. And, and the analogy can just go on forever. But the whole thing is, hey, that's in your business or that could be with your team, right? And hey, thinking of that too. Now say you're not the head coach, but you're on a team. You should be coaching up your buddies and your other players and high-fiving them and doing some stuff. No one does it. People in business don't do that either. So, and then, it, then you take it into the, the house, right? And this one maybe will hit home the most because I will say one of the, Tragedies that I have often seen with just about every one of my buddies that is either in the military or has been in the military is their personal relationships fail. Sure. And, uh, and here's what I would say, because they don't identify with being a coach and coach each other up. Mm-hmm. And instead, they again create that distance long enough. And here's an interesting thing. See, the coach's job is to communicate all the time. The coach's job is to be, not only to see where everything is at, but to communicate in order to give skills or help or to get the result they want. Like, you, you think Bill Belichick just hides and there's no communication? Like, no, he's on it, he's on it, he's on it. And, and, when, there's a, and when there's something that isn't going right, it, you have to address it immediately. And here's the thing, in our relationships, and I know this because, hey, I've always been culprit of it too, uh, when you lack communication, um, dissent, uh, anger, negativity, they fill that, that void, right? And, uh, and if you let that go long enough and hard enough, like the team fails. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, I'm trying to give an example. It's on every level. And the coolest part is the book is about all of that. So the book, the book is this young coach. And man, it's not going right in his family life. It's not going right with his kids. It's not going right with the people he's coaching. It's not going up right up the chain with the people that are supposed to be coaching him. And it's either gonna all fall apart or something has to happen. And like this hero's journey, this magical old man shows up out of nowhere. Whether you wanna call him Mr. Miyagi or, or Obi-Wan Kenobi, if it, like whatever buddy he's gonna get, this dude shows up and hey, tough love slaps him around and shows the guy what it means to be a coach. And, and gives him actionable things that he has to start doing in each one of those areas. And then it's this journey of how he learns to identify with what it really means. And it's really, and, and here's the coolest part. As I was writing it, each day, I didn't know where it was going. Like I would, I would go to bed at night and I would say, I can't wait to see where this is gonna go next. Like what's gonna happen tomorrow? And, uh, and man, it just flowed out. And uh, like we were talking about it, I sent it to the biggest publishing house, no agent, no nothing, and boom. They went for it immediately, and now it's fast tracked. You manifested the turnaround, which ended up into a fast tracking. And when I say manifested, for people listening or or watching some of these clips, uh, you 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 wrote the book, and you sent it. And what do you mean by manifesting? (laughs) So you didn't put a hundred dollar bill in there. Here's what I love about that that word or or whatever. So you see, like uh, you see that Rooney's Rules book right there. Grab one of those and give it to me. And this, this is, and this is really powerful. I'm going to give a little personal philosophy stuff here. So this is a book called Rooney's Rules, um, uh, where the genesis of this happened. And this was a three, this is three and a half years, uh, holding in my hand, but 10 years before that of the content. And I used to always say certain things to my athletes. Like there'd be just lines, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Hey, we're going to, we're going to push the, we're going to push the fences back here, like a baseball analogy. Cause you know what, no matter how far they push the fences back, people figure out how to hit home runs. Right. So what am I talking about there is I'm going to set the expectations so high because we're going to keep stretching where we go here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say these things, these things, and sometimes they would write them down and then they started to write them down until we had a compilation and then they made this compilation of them. 
And I didn't think it held enough power just to be the words. So what I did was I, you know, so I made it into actual imagery, you know? But here's the thing. So when I talk about manifest, which I love, and this is this idea I have that people can't understand. You see, when I look at this, it'll never cease to amaze me that this was an idea in the ether. And every idea in it was an idea in the ether that became an image or a thing. And those ideas then eventually became a real tangible thing that I can put my hands on, you know, so that is to manifest. So, so it's like, you know, and think about it, we've done it with anything. Like, think about it, you flew helicopters, like that was an idea, like, you know, meaning Da Vinci had the idea, I think they say, but the whole thing is somebody had to make that thing and be in that thing. And the chair you sit in, or we're, we're videoing on these cameras. Can you believe that we are somehow taping this conversation that like thousands of people will see, like, these were all ideas from someone else. And what I want everybody to understand is, so your ideas are your most powerful thing and your ideas are what make you unique, mm-hmm. right? So if I asked you for your ideas on stuff and my ideas on stuff, we'd have different ideas. That makes us unique. But in order to make the idea real, you gotta manifest it. You have to push forward in whatever way it is to then that thing is a real thing that you can give as a gift. So I can't wait because when I have the book Coach to Coach in my hands in only a couple of weeks where I'm gonna get my first copies, that'll be, that's the magic nobody will see. But here's, what I, here's I guess what I'm trying to say with Manifest. I had to see it exactly what it was before it ever could become real. So I had to see the cover. I had to see how it fit in my hands. I had to see people reading it. I had to imagine the experience. I had to see that editor. What did he need to see that he would love it and he would pay me for it? So I completely manifested the idea and then the idea became real. And But anybody can do that and it's free. But I think a lot of people, uh, they hold themselves back or they don't think that that's possible. So now I see, as we talked about, like my ideas are my most valuable commodity. <laughs> and, and so you've got to constantly be creating them and exploring them. But at the same time, those ideas create something real. So if your idea is you're an entrepreneur and you really aren't, you don't ide- identify with it, you see how you're not going to manifest maybe the right thing. If your idea is you, you never identified with a coach then, and you ne- never run your business like that or your relationships with that, at least some of that concept there, maybe those won't manifest correctly either. So, so ultimately, yeah, like if that explains it, the manifest idea is it's from idea to actually real. And that's the thing that excites me the most now. So again, like you see these logos of training for warriors and this other stuff, that it's all ideas that now, like it's almost crazy. Like, look at this thing. Like this thing was given to me in Finland. This thing is, the, uh, I forget what kind of either stone or how they made this thing. This logo and this concept and what I wanted to do was an idea. Now it's this giant real stone that somebody gave me in <laughs> Finland, you know? So like manifest, you know? And so it's just neat where now I want to see what more I can continue to create and manifest all the time. Uh, I mean, I, I know I could speak for myself and, and a lot of us who've seen you talk that uh, Coach to Coach is probably going to be a huge, huge breakthrough for, for many of us. I hope it crushes uh, and I'm sure you could manifest it to crush uh, as well um, and all that being said uh, I want to make sure people can find you uh, online you are everywhere by the way but uh, where can people find more about training for warriors uh, maybe people want to learn how to become a coach especially this audience it's like I've never truly considered it but that could be 
my chance to impact. Uh, where can people find you? And uh, and we'll wrap it up. Yeah. So hey, uh, trainingforwarriors.com. You can find out more about that mission that we're on. Coachinggreatness.com. You can find out if people are interested in being a coach. Uh, hey, if you ever wanted to be a presenter or learn how to present yourself better, I've got presentinggreatness.com too. So that's kind of the the ecosystem. But uh, I am on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all over. So so if you Google me, you'll find some stuff. But ultimately, the, the best way that everybody can thank me for uh, what they probably heard today is by actually taking action on it. So, so it's just, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people just take the idea, but they don't do anything with it. So the, the homework for everybody listening to this would be sit down, maybe journal a little bit. Are you an entrepreneur or not? And hey, what do you really want to do? Hey, what are some holes either in your business or your relationships right now that you could coach yourself up or coach others up to improve and be where you want to be? Because as I'm getting older, I'm realizing time is my most important commodity. And, uh, And to waste any of it is you know, or, or, and then to waste years and years of it chasing something you don't want to chase would be the biggest tragedy, you know, when somebody still has something great inside. And, and, and the last piece is if they are intrigued, hey, that Coach to Coach book, yeah. you can get that anywhere. Amazon, if this is being watched after March 10, it'll be in yeah. bookstores. But I'm just hoping uh, people help create this movement because that's the mission I'm on to make a world of better coaches. Absolutely. Uh, I have to close with one thing. So this is way longer than I usually go, but I, I cannot... I cannot not mention this, and that is uh, when you were talking about coaching and how we fail, uh, how people are doing mediocre in the business, um, you gave me a huge breakthrough, and it took Eliza and I, who's here with us, um, a little while to kind of figure this out, but uh, when you're not coaching and that kind of you know descent is, is kind of mounting within, and I asked you about this, I'm like, you know, you're like, look at your people. And Craig says it as well. Like, would you enthusiastically rehire these people? That is like dead giveaway. Like, if you are not looking at your business like that, and this is my message to veteran entrepreneurs or business owners, would every ninety days would you re would you rehire enthusiastically everyone with you? And if not, or maybe you said this one, would you take ten of them? Yeah. Would you take ten more of X person? Holy! Yeah. <laughs> and that was a and revelation. Maybe, and maybe it's the sports analogy too. If you're running it like you're a professional sports team, are you going to put the worst players on the field? Mm-hmm. Or you know, or the question could be, do you have the best players on the field right now? But never forget too, it can go deeper. Where you got to say whose fault that is, though. Like, yes. have you given that player the tools? Have you given that player the training? Now, if you can say this, yes to that emphatically, because remember, a coach doesn't leave everybody alone. Yes. Like that's. I think the mistake we make too is, hey, this is my business. You're really good, so you should just be running. I don't. I shouldn't have to work with you. No, that's not how it works. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people get taught that in businesses. Like you're trying to own a business, so you never have to be at your business. That'd be like Bill Belichick saying, "I never like I'm the coach, so I shouldn't be around. They should yeah. do their thing," which is ludicrous. So, yeah. so again, it's just that mindset. But. I agree 100%. I think one of the biggest challenges is we're afraid of that communication and we haven't set the tone for everybody to understand if they don't get their job done, then their job is expendable. And, and I think people are afraid too that, well, if I get rid of this person, now, now I don't have anybody and I can't do anything. Or, and again, it goes back to the sports team. There'll be somebody else and then you got to train them right and, and do it right. You're right. Uh, I, used to think, I used to think any help 
was better than no help, and that's that's actually no, not that true. Could destroy your business. It could. You know? It so could. So that'd be like, yeah, hey, we're gonna throw, we're gonna, th <laughs> they're gonna throw me and you at the cornerback spot <laughs> yeah. for the Super Bowl. Like that would be a really bad decision, yeah. right? Even though we're there. Yeah. So, but hey, and it's not to say that it's easy. These are they're easy, said, cut and dry ideas. But hey, it takes work, and that means you've gotta you've gotta set the whole infrastructure where everybody understands how it works and the culture of your. That's where the culture comes in of your business. They have to understand how it's being run. They have to understand that there's going to be regular communication. They have to understand that they got to step up or they step out. And uh, and if none of that has been set, then it is hard. Remember, it's still you got to point back at yourself and say, what have I not done that maybe is leading to this too? You know, hundred percent. I, yeah. I think that was one of the biggest lessons. Uh, so Martin, thank you so hey, much for everything. My pleasure. Uh, I'll let you know when this goes, and good luck with Coach to Coach. <laughs>